Who knows how many times the following words have been said from the beginning of time? Who knows how frequently these words have been uttered? If only. If only. Those are words that begin a statement about regret. If only I didn't say those things. If only I hadn't done those things. If only I had said this. If only I had done this. As frequently as the words, if only, have been said over the years by people, when the Lord returns and when judgment occurs, there will be a lot of people who say, if only... If only I had paid more attention to my soul. If only I thought more about eternity. If only I had thought more about showing Jesus in my life. If only I had told others. If only. Because as serious as regret can be in this life, to have eternal regret because one's not right with God, what a sad, sad thing. Look at Matthew 16 and verse 26, and hear the words of Jesus. It's so easy to not think enough about our souls. And in Matthew 16, 26, Jesus says, What shall a man be profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus had earlier said in Matthew 10, 28, Do not fear him that is able to kill the body, but not able to kill the soul, but fear him who's able to kill both body and soul, to destroy body and soul in hell. Speaking of the seriousness of taking care of our souls, and really believing that God is serious about eternity, about judgment. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 21, at the close of a story Jesus told, He says this, So is everyone that lays treasure up for himself and is not rich toward God. 
It's the story of a rich man who was blessed with the greatest crop that he could ever have wanted. And his response as a rich man to being even more blessed was simply to think about building bigger barns, hoarding all of it for himself, and having a party. What God says about this man is that he was a fool. So is one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. If only I had been more rich toward God, if only. I want to talk to you this morning about how to measure our souls. We're a few days into a new year. I know some of you, perhaps many of you, are like me. I'm, I, I, I have ideas about how I want to improve and grow. Because God's given us this opportunity, a new year. How do you want to grow your soul? How do you measure your soul to determine if your soul is healthy and if your soul is really what you're treasuring? I want to share with you five helpful ways to measure your soul. Think about what we're talking about. Your soul is something that we cannot see. We can't really put it on a scale and weigh somebody's soul. How do you measure, how do you evaluate one's soul? And yet, if we understand much about the Bible at all, and much about our God, we know that He's given us a soul, and if we could somehow see our soul or the soul of somebody else, there would be something so majestic, something so glorious about that soul, that if we could see it, we would almost be prone to hit our knees, to fall down. Because the very idea of something within us going on forever just blows our minds, doesn't it? How do you measure your soul? Five helpful ways. Let me share with you the first one. We need to measure... The height of our soul's ambition. We need to measure the height of our soul's ambition. Take just a moment and turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 9. And hear what the Apostle Paul says about ambition. We need to measure the height of our ambition. What really are our goals? To what do we aspire? To what do we aim? 
What do we really think is the greatest purpose that we should be all about? And Paul says, whether absent or present, we have this as our ambition. To be pleasing to the Lord. To be pleasing to the Lord. To show my love for you, Lord, is my greatest ambition. Is it? It is a helpful way of evaluating the condition of our soul. To express my love for you in every word and deed. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Jesus had a great ambition. When he was still a child, his first recorded words are in Scripture, Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? Luke 2 and verse 49. I think that that's striking. It says something about Christ's ambition from the time he was quite young. You continue looking at his life. I must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. The night comes that no man can work to do the work of God. John 9 and verse 4. When we think of Jesus again... He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 19 and verse 10. And so in His own way, our Lord and Savior shows the greatest of all ambitions. And as our Lord and Savior, we can learn something about our ambition. The height of ambition is to express our love for the Lord in all things, to please Him. Secondly, we can measure our soul by the depth of our conviction. There are some things in life that we are just, I I think, willing to die for. And sometimes... They can be pretty silly, can't they? I'm willing to die for my favorite football team. I enjoy athletics, don't you? Many of us do. And it can get pretty passionate and it can get pretty heated. But are you really willing to fall on the sword and die for sports entertainment? Really? Some are willing to throw their, uh, themselves down on the sword of politics. When we think about our soul... There needs to be depth of conviction regarding what matters. There are things that we would not die for in life, but there are things that we would. 
And when it comes to the soul, there needs to be a sense of conviction. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself while he was in Babylon. Daniel 1 verse 8. You had a culture that was doing almost everything they possibly could to take this young man and to lead him away from his God. But Daniel would not go astray. What a lesson about having depth of conviction of soul. In Daniel chapter 3, three of Daniel's friends are put into the fiery furnace. Remember? Remember the old story? And the king looks thinking that they're just going to be burned to a crisp. And he says, I don't see three images in this furnace. I see four. They had told the king of Babylon, whether we live or die, we will be faithful to our God. The depth of... Of conviction. When you think about the depth of conviction, how about Moses in Hebrews 11, 24 through 26? He is the prince of Egypt, and yet he, he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Depth of conviction. Another example, Paul in Acts 21 was told by a prophet by the name of of Agabus that he would be bound in Jerusalem and he would be taken away to be tried And Paul would reply in Acts 21.13. People are saying, please don't go to Jerusalem. There are other places to go with the gospel. Why go there? And he says, I am bound not only to go and to suffer imprisonment, but even to die. There's a depth of conviction there, isn't there? Consider Jesus Himself. Luke 9 and verse 51. Luke 9, 51. Knowing that the time had come, He steadfastly, He resolutely set His face to go toward Jerusalem. He knew full well what was awaiting Him there, didn't He? We can appreciate people who have depth of conviction in noble, in high, in great matters. Do we have the depth of conviction concerning our souls? Can you say, it is well with my soul? 
Can you say that with conviction? Because of Jesus and His forgiveness, the regrets that I have about things that I've done wrong and said that were wrong, or I should have said and should have done that were right, but didn't, is my great ambition to take care of my soul. Here's a third way to measure our souls. We ought to consider the length of our love. The length of our love. I am convinced that some people were put on earth just to help us grow to love more, aren't you? They test the length of our love. For God so loved the world, John 3 and verse 16. That adverb, so, of manner of degree. Think of the manner, the degree in which God loved the world that He sent His Son. Love. In Ephesians 3 and verses 14 through 21, Paul would pray for the church that they might be able to grasp, to comprehend something of the breadth and length and depth and height of God's love in Christ that surpasses knowledge. The length of our love. So often, with God... We draw a line in the sand and we'll go this far. We'll go this far. We want to we be interested in our soul, but this is as far as we're going to go. To draw any lines is a clear indication that we don't value our souls enough. Because to truly know the length of love, nothing, nothing gets a greater value, a greater price, a greater sense of value than my soul. And it will have a real impact on how we view the soul of our spouse, our husband, our wife, how we view the souls of children, how we view the souls of our parents, how we view the souls of others. How we view the souls that make up the church. The preciousness of a soul. The links you go to. The links Jesus went to. To show love. Number four. Measuring our souls. 
You can measure your soul by the breadth of its service. By the breadth of its service. Think about Jesus who came down, who left the glory of heaven and came down, born in very humble surroundings. The God of glory comes down, born in very humble surroundings, and He serves. I am among you as He who serves. I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Mark 10.45 By the breath of our service. We can measure our soul. Those who really belong to Jesus, those who are Christians, show by the breadth of their service how much they love Jesus and how seriously they take their souls and the souls of others. In love, serve one another, Galatians 5, 13. Receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved, let's have grace whereby we may offer service that's well-pleasing to God with reverence and godly fear. Hebrews 12, 28. And think of Jesus washing feet. It boggles the mind. The one who fashioned our feet, who made us, is washing the dirt off of the disciples' feet. But you know what? The one who washed feet would also cleanse souls. An even greater act of service. So if we love the one who makes our souls pure and who takes away the matter of regret, I don't have to think if only anymore because the Lord has dealt with that. I don't have to think about the past the way I normally have because the Lord has dealt with that. I will show the length of my love by the breadth of my service. I will serve God and I'll serve others. Sometimes we ask ourselves, man, there's always somebody out there that needs help. There's always somebody out there to serve. And we say it almost with regret. In a sin-stained, sin-filled, regret-ridden world, there's going to be a lot of people to serve, aren't there? Maybe if we thought about Matthew 25, 31 through 46, just a little more. Matthew 25 Verses 31 through 46. Our attitude about breadth of service and service and our soul would be encouraged. People who were served when imprisoned, hungry, 
naked, sick, in need. On the day of judgment, the Lord says to a group of people, In as much as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. When did we see you like this, Lord? You saw people who were in need and you served. Inasmuch as you did it not to these, you did it not to me. Jesus says. When did we see you, Lord, in these conditions and not reach out to you? When you did not help those who were in need. You know what that is? It's regret. It's regret. And it's regret at the judgment. Lastly, let's weigh our souls and think about it this way. Sometimes if you help somebody and you just had second thoughts, I know that there are people that want to take advantage of the kindness and graciousness of others. I suspect they've always been with us, don't you? I would rather help someone when I'm not sure about their motive than fail to help someone who's truly in need. I'm not saying lack wisdom and lack good judgment. Use wisdom and good judgment. But have a heart that's willing to serve. This fifth area for measuring our soul. Consider the weight of your influence. Consider the weight of your influence. Being salt and light, Matthew 5, 13 through 16, is done not so people will come and pat us on the back, but rather so that others that see salt and light in us will praise God above. The weight of our influence. Thank you for allowing me to go to Denver last week as part of this congregation's work in building up and strengthening the church. Uh, Able to go there and teach at Bear Valley Bible Institute, a school of preaching. There were 24 in my class. This past Tuesday was Cherie's and mine's anniversary. So every year at this time, I get to go now to Bear Valley and teach over our anniversary. The students were aware of that. I got a card from an 80-year-old brother who is one of my students. 
an 80-year-old brother. He is from Uganda, Africa. In the card, an anniversary card was a gracious note and a hundred dollar bill. I know for a fact that his family has one of the hardest times financially at Bear Valley. What do you do? Do you send him a note and say, I cannot accept your money? I appreciate the weight of his influence because the weight of his influence humbles me. And you see in schools of preaching, sometimes the teachers get taught too. And I'm grateful. Think about your soul. Really, that's what Adam and I are about every Sunday when we're trying to preach and teach. All we're trying to do is to help us all think more about our souls. And if your soul is just torn apart by regret and sin and shame, don't you want to do something about it? And don't you want to do something about it now? And if you don't, have you allowed yourself to be so hardened by the shame and the regret and the sin over time that you're thinking so wrongly, you're thinking foolishly? Why would anyone ever leave an assembly of worship Determined to leave in sin, in shame, in regret, lost. Why? Why? And so now we're about to stand and sing a song of encouragement. And here's what it boils down to. Why would anyone want to have to deal with sin and shame and regret eternally when sin and shame and regret have been dealt with by the Son of God? You talk about good news, you talk about hope, you talk about love, you talk about grace. That's it, isn't it? Through faith and repentance and baptism, one can have their sins washed away by Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and one can be added to His church. It is well with my soul. Can you say that? It is well with my soul. Think about it. Can you say it? It is well with my soul. If it's not, can we help you come to know the will of Jesus better so your soul will be well? Let us stand and sing.